The material in this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should not rely on this information to make any medical-related decisions. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a doctor-patient relationship, and nothing should be taken as specific medical advice for any given person. I hope you enjoy Marked Medicine. Hey, Mark. I have a question. Okay. How many times do you think I've asked you that question? Do numbers go that high? I doubt it. And from that concept, the idea of marked medicine was born with Dr. Mark Brulte. And with Amanda Brulte, my favorite nurse practitioner. And you're now listening to Marked Medicine. Hello and welcome to Marked Medicine. We're glad you joined us today. The new year is upon us, Amanda. How are you feeling? It is, yes. It's great to be in 2024. It's great that the new year is here. I'm excited. I think lots of other people are too. And, you know, with that, as we've been talking, comes New Year's resolutions. And so I've been reading a little bit about that. And actually this year, the top New Year's resolution that people seemed to make was that they were vowing to save money. You know, in years gone by, the top New Year's resolution has been to eat healthier and lose weight. And those are also ranking pretty high. But, you know, it turns out that if if you eat healthy and lose weight and you diet and exercise and you become healthier, you know, inadvertently, you actually save money. I'm not talking about purely buying groceries because that's probably debatable in and of itself, but just the health benefits that come along with it. So you spend less at the doctor, you spend less being sick and time away from work and lower energy level and getting less things done. And so it's just a good way to save money is to get healthier and more fit and lose weight. Right. And I was actually reading that some employers are raising insurance rates or premiums or whatever for some people who have pre-existing health conditions or smokers or stuff like that. And it, and it's like you said, even though the number one resolution this year may be to save money, Still, almost half of New Year's resolutions are to lose weight, and just over half are to exercise and to eat healthier. But interestingly, about 20% of New Year's resolutions are broken in the first week. Now, that's not a very good track record of, of continuing, continuing that resolution, is it? It's not. It's not. So, hey, hopefully you can have some great tips to help us all maintain these resolutions. <laughs> well, I hope so, um, and certainly I need to probably pursue some of these myself. It's it's always good in my mind to start with definitions. So what defines overweight obesity, morbid obesity? I think people need to know. The definition of overweight is a BMI greater than 25. And BMI is easy to calculate. You just Google BMI calculator and you can pull it up, type in your height and your weight, and it'll tell you what your BMI is. Um, the definition of obesity is a BMI greater than 30. And the definition of morbid obesity would be a BMI greater than 40 or over 100 pounds over your ideal body weight or a BMI greater than 35 with comorbid conditions, meaning hypertension, diabetes, vascular disease, et cetera, things like that. So that's kind of the the problems that we're dealing with here and what we're trying to address today. And so we're talking about losing weight, exercising, and eating healthier, correct? And so... I guess the first thing beyond the definitions would be, why do people's New Year's resolutions fail? Well, do you have any idea why? Well, I'm assuming because you're you're vowing to make new habits, and those don't always come easily. And that is actually one of the specific things. Well, the first reason that 
um, they fail is that it's just vague. I want to lose weight, and there's no specific goals. There's no specific plan of action, things like that. The other reason that people fail is unrealistic goals. I want to lose 45 pounds by next weekend. Well, that's not going to happen. Um, the thing that you were approaching is the lack of specific planning. This requires, like you said, a change of habits. It requires a change in routines. You have to meal plan. You have to cook. You have to schedule workouts. It's really a lifestyle change. It's not just a resolution. It's, it's changing your day-to-day life. And so the other thing is poor support. You just don't have friends or family around that are helping you do this. So uh, enlist a friend or a family member that, that you trust and that you see frequently and that you can get together with and exercise and plan meals and go to the store with. Planning is a big part of this, uh, and planning and support. The other thing is motivation. People lack motivation. They're doing this just because just because I think I should lose weight or I should be healthier or I should eat better. Well, let's let's get to some specific motivations like I want to be healthy because my kids are in sports and I want to be able to practice with them and I want to be able to, to attend their activities and I want to be able to, to help them with their activities and, and the things that we do as a family. So you need very specific motivations to continue your resolutions. And then the other thing that always happens with any plan you set into place is you're going to fail. There's going to be times you eat a piece of cake or you eat a cookie. Okay, it's not the end of the world. You can you can step back, regroup, and start again. You may skip a workout. That's okay. You can go tomorrow. It's not the end of the world just because you didn't follow 100% of your plans. You only followed 98%. Yeah, it's still pretty good. You know That would still be an A on the test. So just focus on getting back into the routine and getting back into what it is that you plan to do. So that's kind of the basic guidelines of why these resolutions fail and and how you should specifically set out to not fail. Well, and interestingly, if anyone listening has a desire to lose weight and save money, you can actually do both as a New Year's resolution. I know that oftentimes I've even noticed that buying junk food seems like it would be cheaper than buying healthy food. So I looked up some statistics and facts on that. And actually, you can save about $3 a day if you cut out junk food and fast food. That equals a little more than $1,000 a year. You can, you know, if you buy a meal, you can start dividing that and getting two meals out of one. That'll help you save almost $500 a year. You can make substitutions you know, for substitute meat for, you know, pasta, beans, and soups. That'll help you save about $780 a year and then reduce the number of meals eaten away from home by two, and that'll save you about $520 a year. So you can actually, there are ways to actually save money. Now, those are just kind of generic broad ways. There are other ways to save money by eating healthy, you know, by clipping coupons and looking for the sales and being willing to go to more than one grocery store and being willing to substitute ingredients and things like that. But, you know, I don't want anyone listening to think, you know, well, it just costs way too much money to eat healthy because there actually are ways to immediately cut costs by eating healthy. Well, that's certainly good news and good advice. Uh, Along with that, I'd like to talk about weight loss in general and weight loss tips and how do you make this happen? Well, I did a lot of reading about this, and every one of the articles and things I would read says, get an app. 
get an app. That's that's the world we live in now, and it's a very organized way to track your diet and your calories and what you're eating and how much of what you're eating. And I've never looked at one of those personally and used it, but it does seem like a good utilization of technology. I think there's a lot of things that a pen and paper do better than technology, but that's something that seems really nifty and neat, and it's always on your person if it's in your phone, and you can just, you know, type it in real quick. And It is, and I have used some of those apps before, and the good thing about those apps is, you know, they help you count calories, of course, and, and that type thing, but also I think that it helps you to recognize how how much not only how much you're eating, but what you're eating. Because I do think that it's easier than you may realize to be eating unhealthy foods or doing things throughout the day that you really don't even realize you're doing. You know, you may think like, oh, I only had, you know, two sodas today. But you go to the pantry and, you know, you're like, oh, my goodness, no, I must have had five. You know, I think it's easy to actually kind of forget throughout the day some of you know some of the things that you're doing, and so keeping track of it on apps like those is definitely helpful. The other thing that's frequently talked about in what I was reading is there's a lot of emotions that are tied to eating. People have emotional triggers for unhealthy eating, like stress, worry, anxiety, depression, sadness. Some people use eating as a reward. So you have to look into your character and your motivations and the things that are behind your routine of eating and what's going on on certain days that are worse than others. Was there something particularly that upset you or you're stressed about something at work or is it just randomness? You know, you have to look into that. I don't know if you've ever read anything about that. Well, I think that that's, oh yeah, for sure. But, you know, I think that's with any habit that you're trying to break. You know, what's causing you to, you know, what caused you to form that habit or what's causing you to maintain that habit. Yes, you have to kind of do a root cause analysis and figure that out. And of course, the one of the other big problems is processed carbohydrates and added sugars. That is always discussed in any diet program that you read about. Well, and you can certainly save money just by cutting out sodas and drinking purely water, especially if you'll just drink, you know, water from home or whatever. True. There's always mention of increasing fiber intake and increasing lean proteins. These are both good ideas. Basically, you're increasing your vegetable content in your diet. You're increasing your fish intake and lean meat intake along with nuts and beans. Those are good proteins. All healthy eating advice on and how to lose weight. And there's also good fats that you can eat, such as fish fish and fish oils and olive oil and nuts, all tied in together there. Those are the types of, of fiber and protein and fats that you want to eat as opposed to the junk food fats. The other thing is don't drink your calories. Sodas, alcohol, juices, like you said, go straight to the water. The whole grains are better than white bread, so eat whole, whole grain bread. That's always a, a good thing to do. And one of the big areas of debate is should you eat multiple small meals a day or an intermittent fasting type plan to limit the amount of calories that you eat? And there's a lot of debate between those two. One thing in specific that is real is people with prediabetes or, or mild diabetes or even overt diabetes, if they 
do intermittent fasting and then they take a large calorie load in, you're going to have these large spikes of glucose and large outpouring of insulin in their body in response to that. So it may be that those people do better with fewer small, I mean, with, with smaller and more meals per day rather than fewer meals in an intermittent fasting type program. And you can limit the number of calories via that as opposed to the intermittent fasting. It's it's still kind of debatable which way is better. The bottom line is tracking it all, and no matter what you're doing, you're going to consume less calories, which is really the goal. I just kind of input, and that was just kind of just math. Right, exactly. Move more and eat less is the bottom line. And speaking of move more, a big part of all this will be exercise, which is certainly what everyone should be doing. I think the CDC recommends for adults uh, 150 minutes of moderate exercise per week as the goal with two days of strength training or resistance training. Now, you can do 75 minutes of strenuous activity or some combination of the 75 minutes of strenuous and the 150 minutes of moderate activity, just so long as it totals up to the same mathematically. And you do need to ultimately reach the goal of two days of strength training. The reason that this is all important is because exercise is necessary to maintain weight loss. So you start out low impact, of course. It's, you start start low and go go slow. Nobody's going to get out there and go run a marathon on day one. You've got to start walking or swimming and work your way up to jogging or running or riding a bike, whatever it is that you like to do. And that's that's very important. What you like to do, enjoyable activities are enjoyable. They don't become work. They don't become punishment. So do the things you enjoy. If you're an outdoors type person that likes to be outdoors, you should probably start a program of walking, uh, eventually leading to outdoor running. That is something you will actually like. Some people aren't like that. Some people like social interactions and they'd rather join a gym and join a class and have friends and family with them participating in these programs that you know, escalate over time and give them goals, achievable goals over time. It just depends on the type of person you are. It helps to have friends and family with you doing this. It helps you stay motivated, like we talked about before. And the other thing is you don't have to get all 150 minutes in at once. Let's say that your goal is 30 minutes today. You can do it in two 15-minute sessions. If you don't have time, and some people really don't have 30 minutes to block out at once. You've got two or three little kids running around. You've got work pressures and uh, maybe older parents you're taking care of. There's a lot of things going on in a lot of people's lives that don't allow them 30 or 45 minutes of, of time to devote just to something like this. So they may have to break it up into small sessions. But the time adds up. That's the important thing. You can keep a journal, get an app. There's all these exercise monitoring programs on your Apple Watches. I don't I don't really understand all the technology. You probably know a lot more about that than me, but um, all that stuff helps to keep, keep track of all this. And again, eventually, as you start this exercise program, you're going to work up to strength and resistance training because that adds muscle, which increases metabolism and helps with the weight loss and the overall metabolic rate and things like that. So basically, if anyone seems to think that their metabolism has slowed down, 
Because I know, you know, you often hear people, they feel like as they age, their metabolism slows down. I'm not sure how much accuracy there is to that. I know there's some at least, but anyway, so one of the big things, one of the big ways to help speed up your metabolism is through strength training. Yes. And adding muscle mass increases your metabolic rate and your metabolic demand. And so increases the number of calories you burn every day. Just like me, I've always been kind of hyperactive and just fidgeting, just sitting at the desk fidgeting that can burn up to 300, 350 calories a day. That's, I, I found that to be amazing. So move, move more, eat less is the bottom line. And it is important to keep in mind with all of this weight loss and dieting and exercise, like we talked about at the first, realistic goals. What are realistic goals when it comes to weight loss? Well, one to two pounds a week, which is four to eight pounds a month. You're not, and there are certainly ways with extreme dieting and extreme exercise programs that you can do numbers beyond that, but it's not maintainable. It's not a real lifestyle change that, like we talked about, that is actually changing your habits, changing your lifestyle, changing your behaviors for the long term that will benefit you for the long term. And the other thing is people say, I want to lose 150 pounds. Hey, well, okay, you may want to do that, but you should set as a realistic first goal, five to 10% of your body weight over a reasonable period of time that's calculated out by the one to two pounds per week and then set that as, and do the math on that and figure out your goal date at some point in the future, be it six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it is. And really people need to have one to two year timelines, not one to two week timelines. Yeah, I've read before that one of the biggest causes of failure is basically just a, um, unrealistic expectations. You know, that's one of the biggest reasons that people fail, so to speak, is because they kind of set themselves up for failure by having unrealistic expectations. Correct. And I think as an aside here, we should throw in, I, I would like people, if they smoke, to throw in a smoking cessation program along with this. It's going to be very difficult to exercise and do things and smoke cigarettes at the same time. Talk about saving money. If you save money, save lives, save health, everything. Every and, and I've talked I've had friends that smoke that quit smoking and I've had patients that smoke and quit smoking and it takes most people about three weeks. At about the three week mark they feel better and one day they just wake up and they go, Wow, I really do feel better. And the other thing is smoking cessation is it's one of those things that if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. A serious smoker makes somewhere between seven and eight real attempts at quitting smoking before they're successful. But if they continue to try, they will ultimately become successful. So it's it's one of those things that stick your mind stick stick it in your mind. I'm gonna quit smoking. Okay, if you fail, step back, try again. And you keep doing that and you will ultimately be successful. And I think the motivating factor of friends and family can be very, very helpful with that. And there's also medical options that people need to see their primary care doctor. There's nicotine replacement. There's medications that help stop the craving, things like that. So there are ways that your primary care doctor can help that are extremely successful. And that's also true with weight loss. I mean, I know everyone's interested in the weight loss shots as they're calling them, but you know, again, there's some very real 
medications that can really help with weight loss now that your primary care provider can, you know, help help you with if, are, if it's appropriate. Absolutely, there are. And there and it may be part of your treatment regimen for some other comorbid disease such as diabetes that like metformin or the the shots like you were talking about. And that does bring up something that I had listed down to talk about today is who should see their doctor first before starting on a a real diet and exercise program they're going to pursue. And basically it boils down to if you are medically compromised in any way, if you have existing health problems, if you're significantly overweight where you are going to have mechanical issues potentially, you're going to have caloric issues and, and maybe electrolyte and vitamin issues, I mean, you need to see your doctor, okay? And there are doctors that specialize in obesity. If you have unsteadiness or dizziness, that will greatly complicate any kind of exercise program. Those are all reasons to see your doctor. If you're currently totally inactive and you're now like, hey, I want to do something about this. I'm, I'm really, you know, at risk and I want to get to moving again. You should see a doctor first. I mean, because it may be that they start you out with a physical therapist or some type of trainer. There may be people in your community that that specialize in this and can help you start your program until you can fly on your own. So those are all reasons to see your doctor first. As we've talked about so many times on this program, I'm a firm believer, and I know you are too, about primary care providers and that relationship. And and that is a person that knows you better than anybody else in the medical community. You'll see specialists occasionally, and they can do magic things that primary care doctors cannot do. Don't get me wrong, but they'll never know you like your primary care doctor knows you. Right. We can, we're we're going to be talking with someone in town that works in primary care very soon. I'll just go ahead and say her name, Pam Turk. I mean, and nothing, nothing is truer than what you just said because she can list out your entire family tree and diagnose diagnose you based off of you know your family history. And so that's absolutely true. No one can know you like your primary care provider or like your child's pediatrician. I mean, you know, they may not remember every single medical point you know, about you, but when you start having that conversation with them and you prompt their memory, then they're going to remember it. Yes. And Pam is an amazing person and she's helped so many people over the years. It's a wonderful person, wonderful story, and one of the first nurse practitioners down in South Georgia. So that'll be an exciting conversation. So I'd like to say now, if you are in the group of people that has as your New Year's resolution to diet, exercise, and lose weight, remember, you're not alone. Remember the statistics. Almost half of New Year's resolutions are weight loss and over half about eating healthier and exercising. Remember to set realistic goals. Remember to enlist the aid of friends and family. Remember to involve your primary care doctor if you feel like you're at risk of needing medical help with this, and that's always a good idea. And remember that you will have setbacks. It won't be perfect, but you can achieve this. You, you absolutely can step back when you have a failure and start again. Remember, same goes with smoking. So, hey, it's 2024. Let's all be healthier this year. I know I'm going to try. Me too. I mean, honestly, this makes, I'm a real pencil and paper, paper kind of a girl. So this makes me want to go and get a new 
planner, you know, and start planning. I mean, honestly, it really does. So yeah, I say go for it. If it's your New Year's resolution to become healthier, then go for it. And I think with that, you know, I'd just like to say you can, of course, find out more about us at markedmedicine.com. If you have a topic that you would like to hear Mark talk about this year, then send us an email, send us a message, let us know about it. We want to, we want to talk about the things that you guys want to hear about. And thank y'all so much for joining us and we will see you all next week.